Hit it. to episode number 16 of Unrelenting. I'm Darren O'Neill. I'm coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where uh, it's got a little snow today, Gene. A little snow, but you know, it's, it's, it's nothing here at all. I was hoping for a snowblower day or a day that would kill the Austin area, but no. Well, it, it's, it's, this is Sir Gene, by the way, but it is crazy cold here. I mean, I don't know what's going on this year. We're just getting hit by the cold wave. Define cold. Is it like 70? 35. Oh, okay. That's, that's officially cold. That's cold for having to wear more than one layer of clothes. It's sufficient for Texas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is, and I, I heard from somebody I talked to in Dallas yesterday, it was down to like 26 in Dallas. Ooh. So definitely that global cooling that everyone's been warning about. Isn't it global I, warming? I think, no, I think you're mistaken. I think it's global. It's always been global cooling. No, it was global cooling in the seventies mm-hmm. and then it was global warming. And then it was just climate change. Cause they're like, wait, we keep, we can't keep changing mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought climate change referred to global cooling, but if we assure everybody, did that, I miss global warming? I think you did. Crap. You, you might've been for a, what's a slumber rescue. And who's the guy that slept for like hundreds of years. That was the, that's you. The, the guy who slept. Yeah. Which was that? Raz, yeah, the Raz something or other. Don't you uh, know? Raspberry? No, not a raspberry. There was uh, one of these <laughs> I, like children's things, uh, stories, fairy tales. Oh, there was a guy for that slept. I think it was Rasputin or something like that. Just slept sleeping for a long beauty? time. Sleeping Beauty? Yes, you are Sleeping Beauty, Gene. We have. I think well, we I appreciate the up. compliment. I'm glad you noticed. Yeah. I mean, you're looking good. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's Theodore home. The COVID diet. It was really working for you. It well, I'm kind of off of the COVID diet, I, but I am on the meat diet, so that's that's a good thing. Oh, you are back on this, so it's all meat yeah. all the time. All meat all the time. Just had me a fillet for lunch here today. What day are you in? Because this is an interesting mm, concept. Not very far. I think I I guess I started about ten days ago, but for the first three four days, I was realizing oh, I still have some something some ice cream in the freezer i get i better finish that off before i really get into this so i still have that 14 pound cake so i should <laughs> i don't want that to go to waste i mean you wouldn't want it to go to waste for sure and certain things you can't really freeze so you can really you have to eat them now um, so the first few days were very much a mix is the all meat thing a similar concept to that diet that Penn Jillette was on, which was you eat just one thing for X amount of days in yeah, your body? It's, it's not the same, but generally they're practiced at the same time. So that's what I'm doing. I'm eating once a day, um, which is called it's, intermittent it's, fasting. Right. I eat once a day. It's from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. I eat and then. I'm- yeah. And that's that's ex- no, you're absolutely right. Eating once a day in intermittent fasting doesn't mean jack shit until you specify the hours right because that's like even even something that has three meals a day uh then you wouldn't say i eat once a day but you could still say i do intermittent fasting because i don't eat for eight hours a day right which is everybody right so exactly it's a scam what, what people that are trying to actually do intermittent fasting do and i i've been by the way i've been doing intermittent fasting 
uh, I never call it that, but that's kind of what it is. E- eating essentially one meal a day in my case now for about uh, three or four years. So I've been doing it for a long time and it's, um, uh, I'm not like super strict on it. Um, which is not to say that I'm, I'm not doing it either. So I'll, I, I probably over the course of a year, I'll probably do about 10 and a half to 11 months of eating once a day and about a month, month and a half of having multiple meals because I'm out with people or, you know, I, I have lunch with somebody and then I also have dinner with somebody else or something like that. Or you find yourself in a Wendy's drive through ordering a Frosty. Well, now that, that definitely happens. And, uh, that generally happens, uh, when I haven't eaten something tasty that day. <laughs> so there are definitely a lot of frosties last year. This year, I think I've only had two. Now, how long uh, are you planning on doing the all meat all the time diet? Last time I did it was two years ago and I did it for two months before I got bored because I've eaten every version of steak. Now, are you seasoning this? Can you put sauces on it? Uh, No, no. Those are all carbohydrates. The only thing I use is salt. So that's not bad. So no garlic, nothing, anything like that? No, garlic or carbohydrates. Garlic is actually good for you. Um, But if you're going to be super strict about it, then you really don't want to do garlic. Um, But I do think garlic is really good. Remember, not medical advice or anything, but just personal advice. Um, I also am, I guess you would say this is a deviation from what I did last time. Last time I just did, uh, water, iced tea and dead cow to just steaks. Uh, what I'm doing right now is a little bit more, or I should say it's a little less restrictive. So it's, it's meat. And actually most of my meat has been Buffalo, not cow. Um, I've got venison, buffalo, uh, wild boar, as well as uh, grass-fed cow. So I'm doing a variety of meats. They're all red meat. Um, I'm not including fish and chicken in this. I'm not eating either one of those. So it's strictly red meats. Are you always cooking or are you going tartare at all? Well, I I always cook, but um, the way I cook, uh, most people would consider to be not really cooking. <laughs> so it's just pretty much right. You're like, well, I threw it on the grill for like 13 seconds. So, I mean, it's it's well done. It The way that I usually order at nice restaurants is blue. And blue is, uh, or as other people call it, black and blue. So it's basically really high heat for just a few seconds or half a minute on one side and then the other side. And then the middle of the steak is still red and cold. Right. A quick sear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very quick. And if the meat's good, it's okay. Well, don't eat bad meat. It's, it's not good for you. It, well, right. You have to go with the good meat. And I know everybody listening to the show right now is like, we tuned in to hear about Gene eating steak, even though he is a Russian expert and there's nothing going on in that <laughs> part of the world right now. <laughs> nothing at all. Um, In Russia? I don't think there is is there i mean your expertise was even mentioned today on the no agenda show so oh really what what, i haven't listened yet what was it said just that you were part of the boots on the ground that is giving the intricate subtleties of all the stuff going on with this ukraine thing well there's (laughs) there's a lot of good propaganda from both sides i guess that's a good way to start yes 
Uh, Which is there's also war. a lot of crappy propaganda being thrown together by news media in the U.S. who doesn't know the first thing about locating countries on the map. They have to look these things up in Google because if you just gave them a globe and you said, find Ukraine, they'd be like, like, you know, without names being on the globe. They couldn't right. point it out. They have no clue about anything outside of the U.S. Uh, and... Um, you know, I can say that because for a time I was actually on the on the board of a newspaper back when we had newspapers, damn it. And I could slam my fist on the desk back when people actually did journalism. They did journal. They they were actual journals back then, not the uh, pretend kind we have today with the, the, well, not the Twitter. The right. Well, yeah, the ones that grab news from social media. writing an article that simply points to a tweet is yes. not news gathering. Yes. You know, I, I this is something I see on pretty much all of the news aggregators, mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. nothing that pisses me off more than going to Drudge or there's one called Off the Press yeah. and clicking a link, and it takes me to a Twitter thread. It's like, no, that's not news. That's really not news. Yeah, that's opinion. I mean, if you want to have a list of opinions the way Drudge does, that's fine, but. It's certainly not the old drudge back from the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can we can chat about Ukraine. I kind of figured my cooking was more interesting, frankly. But well, it depends. I mean, there's a there's a segment of the podcast listeners that are like, Gene, tell us all about your meat. All right. Well, let me let me wrap up the, the cooking with wrap one up more thing that I'm doing right now, which is I've never done before, but I'm actually kind of enjoying it. And it's uh, it's supposed to be. Well, I, I listened to the presentation on why it actually works, and I, I kind of I believe it. Again, not medical advice or anything, but um, eating or rather drinking a whole lemon every day. So you're taking the juice of a fresh lemon, no, and, and you're incorporating that. What no, I'm eating the whole lemon. So eating, you said drinking a whole lemon. So you're eating juicing or it. drinking? No, I'm not juicing it. So what I'm doing is I'm taking a whole lemon. You're blending it. And I'm putting it in the blender with a little bit of distilled water. With the rind or without? With just the whole lemon. Everything. So everything. You're dropping that baby in. You're not peeling it first. Not peeling it. Doing nothing to it. Just, you know, washing it just because it's been in the store. So washing it in the sink first. But basically taking a whole lemon with the rind, the skin, the everything. And um, uh, and then blending it at very high speed until it is a frothy milkshake type consistency uh and then drinking that and i i'll tell you there's a a little bit of the bitterness of the rind but not nearly as much as you would think because i think you know if you just bite into a lemon the only thing you're going to taste is that that bitterness from the the skin and the rind but once it's all blended together with the the juice and the sourness and everything it is and a little bit of water it's really not it's not bad at all no it's uh, i I just, you know, replace my morning cup of tea with my morning cup of whole lemon. That's I I don't know if I want that. And there's a tremendous amount of stuff which I can't remember which particular nutrients are in it, so I, I'm not going to pretend. Right. You what is the alleged uh, high point of this? Why would anyone do this? Right. Right. So what it does is it provides the body pills that you could otherwise buy in pill form if you really wanted to that specifically are enzymes that are utilized by your body in uh, in in lowering the fat in your liver. 
which is good because that's something that is a huge problem now. Yeah, I can't really live without a liver. No. And fatty liver is something now that is a huge problem because 30% of, the, of Americans have. Yeah, it's the crap people eat. And this is something that, that is just starting to make headlines, yeah. although not now because people are crazed about all sorts of other things. But it's like, if you think that drinking's the worst thing you could do for your liver, and OK, it probably is. But eating crap to the mm-hmm. point to where your liver starts just ga- gathering fat and eh, not good. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I mean, we know how to do this. We do this with geese and ducks, or at least in France, they do. Uh, you want to have you, some foie gras? You, you for, exactly. You force feed them uh, grains. So you don't have to force feed people here, though. You just put it in front of them, man. You take well, them to what, a what they buffet. did, which is totally equivalent to force feeding is back when people your age were children. I'm sure you remember we had the pyramid of food. Yes. Uh, nutrition there whatever the hell it was called and the entire bottom layer the biggest layer in the thing what was that grains grains Uh yeah Uh uh-huh carbs baby carbs yeah yeah it's not just carbs specifically grains other carbs like if you eat you know fruit you're you're gonna have a lot less uh of a chance of getting a fatty liver but if you just eat grain products nonstop, then you have a very high chance of it and at my advanced age, you just have to be a little careful with that stuff. And uh, if I can drink something interesting and uh, rather than taking some pills uh, in the morning, then uh, eh, it's worth a shot. So I've, I've been doing that for a couple of weeks. Just need a super powerful blender. You do. And I, I've got the uh, what the hell is that brand? The um, Vera or something. That it's the one v. that used to have all the videos of the guy. Will this blend? Probably. Blend tech. I've think, got a blend tech. Yeah, I think we do, too. I th- it, yeah. it's huge i mean the thing the you commercial can, model well yeah because you want it to just liquefy everything it's like three horsepower or something there is nothing worse than trying to make a smoothie mm-hmm. and the blades just like don't don't work yeah. <laughs> yeah now this thing is made smoothies out of iphones so it's got plenty of power <laughs> well how do those taste compared to the lemon i think they're technically poisonous no uh, technically sure <laughs> i would guess if you want to go that far and be technical uh-huh. about it it would kill you so don't do it right it'll kill you and, and, and it'll also chop up your insides while you're drinking it but other than that i, I hear it's pretty good for, for for some people that might be a positive part yeah it's got all the exotic metals in it too well see those are good for your digestive <laughs> system uh-huh not good for your brain usually they kind of kill that this is why people do not take medical advice from anybody on the unrelenting podcast. Although this is advice you should take. Do not drink an iPhone. <laughs> do not drink an iPhone. Yes. I'm, I'm willing to put that on the line without the uh, disclaimer. Wow. You're really kind of uh, getting crazy then. I know. Right. That is. That is absolutely crazy. So people are loving our show. I hear they are. And, the, I mean, and, and they're asking all kinds of questions that they want us to talk about. Well, see, they're not really asking the questions as much as you went out and were like, I'm really lazy. I don't know what we should talk about. So give us ideas was, was kind of what prompted that, wasn't it? I, mean, I have no idea what you're talking truth about. Truth and advertising and all. Although you got enough input on there to where it's like, why would we ever come up with show topics ever again? Oh, really? I haven't read any of the replies yet. Well, see, there were there were people that oh, had nice. a whole plethora of things they and wanted to you, know. Have you? uh Read any of them that you remember? Well, one of them was about the best year for that scotch that you like to drink. Oh, yes. That's a 1990 Brooklyn Black Arts. 
And if you ever see Gene Easy in the wild question. and you happen to have a bottle of that handy, he will be your best friend for at least the two hours or so it would take you to drink that. Well, first of all, I've never drank a bottle in two hours. It takes at least four. <laughs> okay, the other thing is, if I, mean, you I was have hoping a bottle you were going to share with the person that uh, had the bottle. <clears throat> that's that's with two people drinking. Oh, okay. If, if you um, that I have done, unfortunately, I did finish off a bottle like that with somebody. Uh, but if you do have a bottle of that and uh, you're you're willing to share it, I probably will be your best friend because uh, it's been unavailable to buy for about four years now. And initially, it was extremely limited availability. So you really had to know the one or two places in your state that, that would carry it. Now, the... It was about 450 to 500 a bottle when it was uh, available still. And the subsequent years, the bottlings of this, you're like, ah, that that's that was good. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I've got other years of it that I've bought. I, I, I'm trying to think of what the next one was. I think after 1990 was the, it's either 94 or 98. I don't recall. I've, I've got whatever it is. I've got it downstairs, but not nearly, nearly as good. Now, in the whiskey, what? makes that difference i know in wine it's easy the grapes the growing season whiskey is a little more consistent is it just the peat what is well it it can be made consistent right and a lot of the whiskeys that a lot of the cheaper whiskeys lower price ones you buy at the store are specifically made to be a consistent flavor because that's what people expect right throughout many years so they they have guys that are super talented at smelling and tasting this stuff uh, that understand just how to tweak the blends to create a consistent flavor year over year. Right. You get uh, the barrel and you're like, well, we need more of this. And this, they yeah. mix them together, which is why they, they're called blends exactly. for anybody that maybe doesn't know. Yeah, exactly. But but like the one that I mentioned, that that particular brocotic is it was it was sort of a um it was a I don't know if I would call it a project, but I guess we could call it a project uh, for one of the the senior. And I'm again, I'm going to forget the name of it. Senior moment happening here, but uh, one of the senior dudes at Brulotic that makes uh, the whiskeys. It was it was essentially uh, a a fun project, if you will, sort of like. If you have an unlimited budget and unlimited whiskeys to mix, what are you going to come up with? So this was like their master distiller going, ah, I'm going to come it, up that, with something good. A master distiller sounds like the appropriate word for it. Yes. Very good. Which is the best um, job in the world for somebody that likes whiskey? Well, as long as you don't mind smelling of peat. But yes. sure. Yeah. And you can avoid uh, drinking it all day long. <laughs> yeah. But uh so that's that's more of a one-off thing, which is why a different year tastes completely different. Uh, it's going to change depending on when it was made and who made it and what their goal in making it was. So my personal favorite uh, is the 1990. You know, it, it could be marketing as well with some whiskeys, which Booker's, which is one of the you know more snooty of the bourbons. Mm-hmm. They over the last couple of years, I don't know if they're still doing it because I rarely go into liquor stores now, mm-hmm. but they start doing their yearly bottlings and four different segments and labeling them as such. And every segment, of course, was a little bit different. 
which I thought was genius because I had a bottle of Booker's sitting around unopened in the liquor cabinet for mm-hmm. a couple of years. And because of that, when I would go to the liquor store and I'd see Booker's like, I already have that. But now mm-hmm. that it's like Booker's in 2022, number one, I'm like, oh, wait, that's different. I don't have that. Mm. Yeah. It encourages you to buy. Oh, then, yeah. And then drink more. Uh, Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Now, if you're going to ask me about uh, bourbons, I'd probably say happy 23-year-old. Well, see, of course, you're just going for the good, the best, the stuff that most people aren't going to be able to <laughs> well, afford. You're not asking me for the crappiest, are you? No. Well, see, that's uh-huh. usually the the killer whiskey would be the one that is at or near the lower end or mid range in price, but out punches and has a quality right, it punches that is, above its class, right above its weight or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's totally true. And honestly, I, I'm a, a level two whiskey sommelier, but I've probably forgotten, you know, more than you currently know. So I, I'm trying to not completely forget everything I know about whiskey. <laughs> but but part of the problem is that I'm not drinking this year. It's a dry 2022. It's a dry 2022. Yeah. And so and 2020 was or 2021 was not particularly wet either. So you're so losing your taste. I mean, I, does that- I've, I don't know about losing my taste, but I'm certainly not consistently reminding myself of all these different flavors like I used to be. And of course, after you down a fresh lemon, I think everything tastes a little different. If you're only eating meat, I think everything has well, you, to start tasting a little different. I, I don't believe that's the case. I think uh, I think, you know, maybe during COVID that would be true, but not right now. When you lost your taste. I never lost my taste actually in COVID, but a lot of people do. It's a weird thing. Was that the doctor? He said he alone had a thousand patients that had COVID. Yeah. I mean, most people I know have had it by now. Uh, You know, it's uh, Tina's got it right now. Well, it's good that you came back out the other side. I mean, most people do like 99.96%. I think the number that sounds about right. I haven't seen I haven't seen a number recently, too, which is always funny with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of this, all you yeah. saw was numbers. Now, not so much. Yeah. It was yeah. nice that you sent in a donation of the best damn podcast in the universe. Adam mentioned listening to some of your crazy theories on unrelenting. Mm-hmm. So he listens, which is good. This is why yeah. I'm sure he should be paying me to get you to say this stuff. Oh, so oh then, is that how that works? Then, then you don't have to tell him this stuff directly. I think Adam secretly still hates you, but um, I don't think it's so secret. <laughs> it's okay. Well, he did. He did text me and said, you know, you should do another episode of Sergene speaks and really talk about Ukraine. Well, see, I was trying to get you to talk about Ukraine, but you wanted to talk about steak. No, I, but he, he specifically pointed that I should do it on a different show than this. Probably just because it would yeah. be shorter because Sergene uh-huh. episodes are about half or a third. Well, especially when you length. listen to, at two X, you know. Well, yes, at least two X is good for yeah. surging speaks, but it's, it works well. Now, um, what is your breakdown okay. of this? Because the, even sure, the, let's dive into Ukraine, even the yeah. heavyweights, the heavyweights of the conservative media. Yeah. Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hannity were having a conversation about this and they disagree yeah. greatly at the end result of all of this for Putin. O'Reilly thinks this is going to lead to Putin's downfall. 
Hannity thinks Putin's going to skate through this and be fine. What mm-hmm. do you think? Well, on that question, I think that uh, certainly there's a, a segment of the Russian population that does not want any involvement in wars that include, you know, their kids or, or like actual troops. It's a little different when you're just shelling like Syria or something. Right. Uh, Drones. But, but when you when you have 100,000 troops, that's presumably human beings out there. So there is certainly some backlash going on for that. Whether that's enough to flip the uh, popularity under 50% for Putin, I don't think so. His popularity has been, well, it depends who you measure. I mean, if you ask the Americans, it's like 1%. <laughs> but if you ask the Russians and you look at the results of the elections, and again, contrary to what U.S. media reports, Russian elections are a lot less rigged than American elections. I'm sure some places are rigged. I'll, I'll totally give you that. That's true of anywhere in the world. Well, but, now, from what I understand, the Russian oligarchs, there's this group of guys that are basically sure. the ones that Putin has to keep happy. And it sounds like maybe they're not happy with what's going on here because it's going to well, cost them money. I mean, all you mean, like versus American oligarchs, uh, like all the ones that we have, like Jeff Bezos and uh, uh, Elon Musk and the the guy that that had a company that used to be named Facebook. Like all those guys, they're all oligarchs. I don't know why people don't use that term for them, but that, that's effectively what they are. Uh, yeah, I think Putin's always had a a bit of a contentious relationship with uh, rich people in Russia. So if you want to call them oligarchs, because uh, on the one hand, um, he can't just do things that are good for them because then he'll have a huge uprising. People kick him out of office. On the other hand, uh, a lot of these guys control the wealth that's flowing into Russia. So they're responsible for a lot of the the GDP. So he's got to walk a bit of a tightrope on that front. And uh, Russia does have a military production nowhere near the capacity of the U.S. one. Like Russia does sell weaponry, but it sells just a tiny fraction compared to what the U.S. sells. Uh, so there, there's not like it's not enough to justify a war just to sell more weapons to your neighbors. Uh, if you're Russia, in the U.S., it's pretty close. I mean, it may be justifiable to start a war uh, just to uh, be able to sell more weaponry, and a lot of people are saying that's kind of what's happening right now. So. Now, I think what does who what does Putin hope to gain with what he's doing here? Um, there's, I think, a big picture in a in a uh, a short version of that. So, I think some the the simplistic view that some people share, uh, which I don't completely agree with, but I'll bring it up anyway, uh, is. Clearly, Putin wants to just rebuild the Soviet Union. I, I think that is way overly simplistic, and it may appear that way at times, but that's not the full story. Uh, but I bring it up because from the outset, if you're just looking at it, you know, Russia has been slowly gaining territory over time. Territory that used to be part of the Soviet Union. Right. And Putin's talked about this in the past, right? The yeah. unified Soviet Union once again. 
uh, well, I don't think he's used that term, but uh, he he more frequently would talk about Russia before the Soviet Union, the Russian Empire, and all the lands that were part of the Russian Empire, and um, take certainly pride in that. I think the bigger issue for Putin isn't so much restoration of the landmass as that he was in government but didn't have sufficient enough standing or power at the time to really make decisions about the way that the Soviet Union was split up. So if you remember back then, um, he was a, I don't know if he was a deputy or, but he, he was, a, originally he was running St. Petersburg. And then he was in, uh, uh, again, I'm forgetting the name, dude. Who's the, the first, uh, the, the first post-Soviet Russian, Boris Yeltsin. There we go. So he was in, in Yeltsin's um, administration. And so he kind of was, you know, getting prep through that process. Everybody knew Yeltsin was a alcoholic and the guy was somewhat of a, although I think he was better than, than uh, Biden is, but there, there's a little bit of a Biden thing there because people realize that he's not really fully there and making good choices. Right. Not on his game. He's not on his game. Good way of phrasing it. And so consequently, um, you know, he, uh, he wasn't around for too long, but at the time of the splitting of the Soviet Union, I think what a much younger Putin saw was the wrong decisions being made as to both how to divide up, like where the borders are and what, like how, who and how to completely just turn into their own countries. Because some of these places have a genuine uh, unique historical, uh, you know, country that was on that piece of land that was at some point incorporated into the Soviet Union. Uh, a lot of the East European countries, countries like Poland, for example, you know, Poland was never part of Russia. Poland was never uh, a part of, uh, of the Soviet or the Russian Empire going back a thousand years. Like there was two different groups of people there, but they were part of the Soviet uh, Eastern Bloc. So they weren't, they weren't technically part of the Soviet Union, but they were completely under the control of the Soviet Union. Um, sort of like, uh, East Germany was. And, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of those East European countries, if you remember that far back. So, what uh, what he remembers is that you have the Soviet Union and you have the the Soviet puppet states and, and satellites and and having all of those become independent was one thing. It's it's understandable when the government and crashes, the country collapses. But then taking what was part pre-Russian Revolution, what was part of the Russian part of Russia itself and was referred to as, uh, you know, a, a district or a Republic, or it'd be the equivalent of States in the United States. Right. That 
had not existed as a standalone country and and then taking that group of states and saying okay now each state is its own country and good luck to you guys because a lot of those states immediately following the collapse of the soviet union collapsed even harder than russia itself because they had they were completely reliant on trade and resources during the soviet union times internally and they could not stand on their own. They needed a lot of support. U.S. and Europe and the West provided a lot of that. It also provided support to Russia, provided a lot of loans to Russia, which Putin always likes to remind people were paid back. Um, and so there is a, a difference in his mind between what were basically Russian states, what areas that were part of Russia pre-Soviet revolution, and then what were simply countries that were pulled into uh, during the Soviet era uh, into being part of the greater Soviet Union and uh, the Eastern Bloc. And all of those countries, I don't think he has any, uh, any thoughts about like those becoming part of Russia. But areas that used to be part of Russia were never independent. You know, you think about it, if you actually look at the history the amount of time that Ukraine existed as a country is about 30 years in the last thousand years. And they now, were paying not, the Bidens a lot of money for those I'm years. Not, yeah, for the whole 30 years. I'm not saying Russia should swallow up Ukraine. I don't, I don't like that either. I want Ukraine to stay as a country right now. But the problem is Ukraine had a fully U.S. funded, we have the records, uh, revolution driven by whatever agencies. And that revolution took over the capital and pushed back what was the legitimate government up to that point, uh, and kept pushing back further east until they ran into sufficient numbers of people resisting the revolution, the anti revolutionaries, if you will. And those anti revolutionaries then held them back long enough. For there to be uh, documents of peace signed. And uh, that has been sort of the stance for the last eight years. And so now, of course, and from the U.S. perspective, the those people that were the counter-revolutionaries that were holdovers from the original elected government of the country, now they're seen as the, the revolutionary rebels by the U.S. Uh, but in fact... If you think that Taiwan is a legitimate country of its own and not part of China, then you should be happy and celebrating that the Donbass region and the east side of Ukraine has finally gotten uh, their independence because they are literally following the exact same path as Taiwan did, which is the original government and people that supported the original government fleeing. During a revolution, revolution happened in both countries, and then establishing a base for themselves in a small portion uh, of the country or on an island in the case of Taiwan. And then the main country is just saying, no, that's part of us. That's like just China saying Taiwan's part of China. Uh, Ukraine is saying, yeah, Donbass is part of Ukraine. It, it, you, they can't rely on old borders because those borders didn't exist. Those were just regions. They weren't countries. They weren't country borders. It's literally that area where Ukraine is currently 
was either part of Russia, part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, or part of the Polish-Lithuanian Empire. Those were the three conquering large empires that had transferred that region back and forth. And in those transfers back and forth, what is now Eastern Ukraine was almost always held by Russia, and that was where those territorial lines were drawn. So even when a good chunk of what is Ukraine today was part of the uh, Polish-Lithuanian uh, Empire, even during those days, uh, the border didn't go all the way to where the modern border of Ukraine with Russia is. The border went to just past, what is it, the Dnepr River? I can't remember. I don't have a map in front of me. But it, essentially, it was the central and western part of Ukraine, and the eastern part of Ukraine was still part of the Russian Empire back then. So there's not much to sort of point at from a historical standpoint. And I'll give you another example that is hard to argue here as well. Um, for anybody who says, well, Russia needs to leave Ukraine and get out of those areas that it, it's occupying. Okay. When is England leaving Ireland and Northern Ireland being given back to the country of Ireland? Damn because right. It's, again, it's literally the exact same scenario where you had people that were, that, that owned the territory. There was a revolution in Ireland. That revolution resulted in the British being ousted, except for the northern part of Ireland, where they had strongholds, where the English uh, barons had built a lot of uh, a lot of castles and and uh, had a lot of uh, income coming from, and they were they were holding out, and so eventually, when the treaty was signed, Northern Ireland was excluded. Well, that that's the same thing, the same thing as Donbass. It's like, yeah, you've it's always been Russian. It's and that's I guess the difference is in Ireland at least at some point Northern Ireland only had the Irish people it didn't have any English until English came over and conquered, uh, but Eastern Ukraine, which is full of Russian people, had historically for a thousand years been Russian. Now there were also invasions, if you want to count that and say oh it wasn't always Russian yes that's true sometimes it was held held by the Mongolians by the. Mongolian hordes that were coming down to invade Europe. So certainly Crimea was. Crimea was one of the strongholds of the Mongolian hordes. I think the Golden Horde uh, spent uh, quite a while there. Uh, and it has a history of being held by uh, Mongol invaders, the, the Tatars. Um, right, as well. area that's changed hands quite a bit. It, it has changed quite a bit because it's a peninsula that has access to open water that goes out to the ocean, which is very useful for everybody. So uh, that peninsula was always, along with what is now currently considered Eastern Ukraine, part of the Russian Empire territory, other than the times where it was controlled by the invading hordes. But why uh, is this important now? In why it's important now is because there, there seems to be a very, I don't know how to explain it, but it, like politicians have extremely short-term memories when it when it's convenient. Well, yeah, so, of course. So as soon as a revolution that we support happens in another country, we we will then from that point forward claim that the first elected government of that newly revolted region is the legitimate government because it's great we'll, for democracy. We'll never accept anything else. Yeah. 
Uh, now, I don't know if people remember, in Egypt, we did that. We had a color revolution in Egypt. It lasted about a year. And after a year, the military came in, rousted the uh, U.S. installed government. And uh, they haven't been allowed since back. And, and I mean, they've got elections. They everything. I don't know if they've ever been a true democracy, but they're close enough. They're not a uh, dictatorship in Egypt, but they absolutely kicked out the uh, post-revolutionary government, which the U.M. Uh, which the U.S. saw as the legitimate government of Egypt. So I, I think going back to Ukraine historically. Um, I think for a lot of people, not just Putin, seeing a break between Ukraine and Russia was sort of like having Texas decide to become a part of Mexico once again. And the border was moved and now you had to be, uh, you had to, you know, go through a, a bunch of crazy rules at the border to go see your relatives that just lived across the border. So the idea of, of, uh, people who live 100 or 200 miles east of the uh, the Ukrainian border when the, when that was just one country up until 30 years ago. So you think Putin it, just sees this as reunification? So I think that's that's part one, right? And I think there's it's a it's not a simple single reason for him. The second thing is Putin has been saying now for literally 8 years that he needs a signed document that says there will be no, no NATO expansion up to the border of Russia because it already happened in the Baltic states, but at least they're tiny. Here, you know, Ukraine is the biggest country in Europe. You know that? I did not. Yeah. So it is literally the biggest, uh, at least in its former <laughs> former map, it was the biggest country in Europe. I think now it may be not as well uh, or not uh, not so much. But um, but he's been saying that. He didn't just start saying that a month ago. He's been saying that for eight years and eight years of no movement on that front, no concessions from U.S. or NATO or, or Europe, but yet further movements towards Ukraine becoming part of NATO. But all you're hearing uh, on any of the media is, well, you know, Putin knows this is destabilizing the world and he's an evil guy. Is that? Yeah. Is that anywhere near accurate or what? Is it accurate that he's destabilizing the world? I don't, that, that's insane. Look at it from his perspective. What is the biggest resource that Russia has other than uranium? Oil. Which is something the United States had a lot more of. What, what happened to the price of oil in the last week? Skyrocketed. How is this destabilizing for Russia? They're making more, they're making 20%, well, not quite 20, they're like 14% more today than they did a month ago on the same amount of sold oil. Yeah, and I think uh, the United States, it's like 11% of the stuff they bring in comes from Russia. We buy Russian oil, yeah. we <laughs> we're, like, wow! Thank you, Putin. Uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. yeah, well, thanks also Biden for shutting down the pipeline and making all of this, yeah. you know, yeah, making no, oil. Obviously, I'm, I'm being facetious, but... Yeah, Russia was having serious problems when oil prices dropped to 20 bucks a uh, barrel. Like, all of a sudden, they were making a quarter of what they were previously making in import or in exports. And it was having a significant uh, impact on the country because unlike the U.S., Russia does have quite a few state-owned industries. 
and Gazprom and uh, well, there's a, a whole slew of them that the country effectively took over after the original um, founders, shall we say, were found to have been guilty of tax evasion. Now, it's all wink, wink, nudge, nudge, because, you know, they, the, the original oligarchs, which a lot of them have lost their, uh, their fortunes, were, they were the wheel, wheeling and dealing makers right at the fall of communism. They were the ones that figured out the fastest ways to, to scam getting uh, equipment that was state-owned and factories that were state-owned and and raw materials that were state-owned for not 10 cents on the dollar, like for a penny on the dollar. And that's how they got to be very rich very fast. But a lot of people that get very rich very fast play fast and loose, and those guys did as well. And in his early days uh, before he was um, the president of Russia, Putin actually worked in the department of, uh, what was it called? Um, uh, it was essentially an anti-corruption department. So, like, that was, that was his mandate. It was to find corruption and, and then uh, bring that to the government and uh, uh, penalize people. So, he, he's a smart dude. And I, I don't, anybody that thinks Putin is an idiot uh, demonstrates their own IQ more than anything else. Oh, yeah, there's he, no way. There's no way he's an idiot. I mean, but this no. is where everybody's now playing, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, quarterback where it's like, well, why is he right. why is he doing this? Is it economic? Yeah. Is it just because he has an ego and he thinks he yeah. can? Is he a, is he the next Hitler who just wants to take over the whole region? I mean, you've heard everything. Oh, uh, yeah. The media. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. No. And and there's there's a. Um, you know, the old Putin's playing 3D chess and uh, everybody else is playing checkers kind right. of thing. Uh, it, it's um, I mean, there's there's a lot being made out of the fact now that oh, Russia has taken over Chernobyl. Oh, my God. It's like so. Yeah. Uh, and that he I mean, all the, like he literally said that what he's going to do and then did it, which was the big surprise for everybody. He's like, what? What? what How is he actually? How, how's he doing the things that he said he was going to do? Because they just expected a lot of hot air, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of talk. Um, and uh, what they got was action that they weren't expecting. Right. Uh, Sean Penn is rushing to the region to make a documentary. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> the the yeah. world is saved. Sean Penn's yeah. coming. It, it's so I think. So we talked about the reason number one. The the reason number two is Putin, I think, came to a point where he realized no amount of negotiation to not bring in Ukraine is going to work without some form of physical uh, motivation. See, that's a great euphemism, right? Right. Well, the question is, Putin's will... engaging in physical motivation currently. Well, in what you're getting from... Everybody else, including Joe Biden, which is, oh, economic sanctions. Is that enough mm-hmm. to deter what's going on here? It doesn't seem like it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is the hope for Putin, which is just, well, I'll push as far as I can and then we'll get them to release the sanctions. What is the uh, 
what is the bottom line here? I mean, a lot of people are trying to tie in uh, China and Taiwan into this, which is Putin and Xi, who seem to be pretty friendly at the Olympics. So this is a a big thing going on. There's some big. Well, and everybody's describing all kinds of uh, big, uh, you know, observational things that nobody talked about. So I, I sent a text message to Adam or a, some kind of message, signal message to Adam, February 19th. So what is that? Five days ago, basically outlining what is currently happening right now. Right? So I totally predicted this. Um, it is a, uh, it has been gamed out. So they knew exactly what they needed to do by playing different scenarios previously. But I would not go quite so far as to say that the timeline was planned or anything else. I think they they did the right steps from the Russian perspective in the right order, which is you first test the waters to make sure you're not stepping on a grenade. And once you're you're ensured that that's not going to happen, then you start moving your troops through. And uh, the mistake that Ukraine got goaded into. So. All, I, I remember we started by me saying there's really good propaganda flying back and forth, but except for on TV, TV is horseshit propaganda. But between the countries themselves, there's pretty good propaganda. Like if you listen to Voice of America and then you listen to Al Jazeera and, and you listen to RT, uh, you listen to stations in countries that aren't necessarily American super friends. Right. You, you see a, a much better view of what the propaganda from both sides looks like. Uh, but what, what they did was they goaded Ukraine into an intensifying their attack on, uh, the Eastern regions because of this whole anticipation. And you almost could think that like Biden was doing this to help Putin. It almost feels that way because Biden's fanning the flames. And all Putin is holding up is just one match. And Biden is trying to catch more shit on fire. Well, which is why the question comes. All you've heard about the Biden family over mm-hmm. the past four or five years yeah, has been Ukraine. Ukraine. Well, that and China. Yes, true. There's some China in there. But so essentially uh, what Putin needed for legitimacy to move forward to actually pick a start date for this was to have Ukraine intensify its shelling of the eastern regions which are mostly russian and they've been doing this on and off for literally eight years like the ceasefire has never been a real ceasefire there's fighting for the whole eight years but it, you know it occasionally it sparks up and then it drops back down and you could also point the finger and more blame than the rest of the country at the um the nazi battalion that i can't remember the name of right now uh, I posted about a link to it in No Agenda Social, but essentially Ukraine has this something battalion which has uh, strong ties to the Nazi ethos, and they're they're sort of special forces dudes. Uh, they're the most extreme, violent ones when they're attacking, and uh, they're the ones that effectively Putin named in his his speech um, saying that uh, Russia will denazify Ukraine. Uh, so he effectively said that um, 
we're going to be removing military installations. But as far as people, we're going to get rid of all the Nazis, which right. would be that battalion. They're going in as peacekeepers. That's the. Uh, yeah. And, and they are in no different form than than any other U.S. or European peacekeepers have. Right. Just depends on what side you're looking at. Yeah. The, in the Balkans. When, when countries were split up. Oh, my gosh. Countries were split up. How does that work? Because some part of the country wanted independence and the U.S. supported that independence. And, and now that was a good thing. Here's some part of the Ukraine wants independence. And uh, since we just did a revolution on them eight years ago, nine years ago. Well, no, we don't want independence for that group. Peacekeepers rarely bring peace. Well, yeah, they're, you know, a peacekeeper in, in one of my favorite uh, sci-fi TV shows. Um, uh, my God, the memories. Absolutely. You can tell us now this whole thing. You could all be learned. Everything you need to know is to go watch an old Star Wars or Star Trek. Oh, no, no, it's something. an Australian science fiction show. From like the the late nineties, early two thousands. Wow, I mean, you're that's a deep, deep pull um, you're going for here. Yeah, I'm sure somebody right now is is saying the name as they're listening. Is like, oh my god, how do you not remember that? He's old. Um, did you not have your B twelve today? I no, I did not. Did you, did you go go drink another lemon? That'll clear you right out. I haven't had my lemon for the day yet. <laughs> I still need to drink my lemon today. This I just is did why. not have time. I've been busy trying to get some work done. This is but, why you're off. Yeah. Um, I, I'll remember it eventually, but it was a, it was a Jim Hansen production. The Just Muppet guy. Yeah. The Muppet guy. So he did a, a show that was a collab with guys in Australia. And, um, uh, so it had, it had some Muppets in it and it had actual humans and it was an adult science fiction show. Farscape. Farscape. That's the one. There you go. Perfect. I knew somebody would have it. <laughs> duck, duck, so, go, baby. I'm, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm glad the chat let you know what it was and you let me know. The non-live chat. I am the chat. <laughs> Somebody's got to be the chat. So Farscape, if you remember, the, the bad guys in it were called peacekeepers. The empire, whatever the official government forces were, were the peacekeepers. Makes sense. Do you not remember this? You I don't think like I ever watched remember. Farscape. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Anyway, so that was in <laughs> Farscape. And one of the main characters, which was played by, God, I remember what she looks like. She's really hot. Her last name was Black. What Claudia was Black. Name? Claudia. Claudia was the first name. Yeah, I, 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 I like her. Uh, I'm sure she's looking like she's in her 60s now. But she's, anyway. now, she's now finally in your, uh, in your wheelhouse. No, 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 no. That would be 24. Okay, just leave that silent age. sitting it's there. It's the perfect age. It's <laughs> the perfect age for a woman is 24. Uh, anyway, so back to the topic here. Peacekeepers that we went on a little detour where I can remember shit. Uh, the point with Russia calling what they're doing peacekeeping is that by a strict definition, that is exactly what they're doing. So if you think of those regions as either what is left of Ukraine pre-revolution. So it's the anti or counter-revolutionary portion of Ukraine. Or you think of it as a brand new country that just got recognized by Russia and a few other countries um, as uh, independent. In either scenario, 
they're still getting shelled by the Ukrainian military. There's still conflict there. So they have a treaty with Russia, which they signed very quickly. And Russia, by that treaty, is uh, just like the NATO treaty, Article 5. It's whatever the equivalent article is for this new treaty they created. As now coming in to provide peacekeeping for this region, that they, uh, this country, this new country uh, that they have um, a treaty with. And that peacekeeping activity, according to Russia, and I, I know this will be a hotly debated topic, is whether they're doing what they say they do or just doing whatever they want. But Russia spelled out what and who they're targeting. They were they're going to target this special forces neo-Nazi battalion that Ukraine has. Every one of those people will be dead um, through Russian special forces troops going through Ukraine to kill them. They are targeting military installations in Ukraine. And here they're using the broad brush. So they're not saying just the ones that are really close to Donbass that are actually shelling Donbass. They're just saying, look, if there's one military installation in Ukraine that is currently attacking this new country that we have uh, an alliance with, then we will take out all military installations in Ukraine to prevent that from happening. Right. Well, it's the same thing that happened with Saddam Hussein. The first same. war, you didn't you didn't kill his whole army, and then you had to go back. Yeah. Well, same thing that we were doing under Clinton, bombing uh, Kosovo. So we're just taking out military objectives. Uh, we have a no-fly zone over uh, over Yugoslavia, over the Balkans. Same thing here. There's no fly zone over Ukraine right now. No planes coming or going. Um, they, as part of the military equipment, they took out uh, armaments, they took out radar installations, and they took out runways at airports. And that's literally exactly what we did in every conflict we've ever entered into. Right, Iran, it's the playbook. Iraq. Yeah, it's the standard playbook for everybody. The first thing you have to take down are the things that allow the enemy to weaponize. So that's what Russia did. And they've been constantly repeating over and over that we are not take targeting civilian uh, areas. They're encouraging all Ukrainian troops to go home. Leave your weapons. They'll be destroyed when our rockets drop. But go home and your homes will be safe. Which is the greatest and, war ever. If you just like, you know, we're coming. Just just go home. Which is literally what Americans were saying in Iraq during Bush one. And plenty we were, did. We were, we were flying helicopters, playing this in Arabic and dropping leaflets that said the exact same thing. And plenty of them did. And in fact, I, I knew a guy personally back then that had um, that had over 100 people surrendered to him personally. Yeah, just like, we're done. We don't want to do this. We they're, know we're screwed. Like, what? I get to trade my weapon in and I, I get free food and I'm not going to get shot. That does, That's a good trade. That does That's seem a like trade. a better day. They were putting zip ties on each other to hurry the process up. I have photos. Until they realize they're getting a blended lemon as their nutrition. <laughs> well, they wish they were getting a blended lemon. <laughs> that, that, the hell out yeah, of there. But I, I've got some stories about that time frame. I actually had some access back then. So I got to see some equipment uh and stuff from satellites but nice. it, it's a i also got to see things well I, i'll just mention it here now just because it's topical but you know obviously no no specific details but i i also saw uh russia 
the Russian part of that conflict in Iraq, meaning uh, we had coordinated with Russia as the U.S. back then, and uh, there were contact points where uh, Russian helicopters were landing at American uh, uh, pads. So a lot of interesting stuff that, you know, you don't find out about until somebody writes a book. Yes. Well, there's intricacies of all of this stuff that Mm -hmm. makes all of the difference. And you said that Biden seemed to be fanning the flames. And that is the other big debate that's going on, which is. I don't know why. Like, I'm completely clueless on this topic. I have no idea why Biden did what he did, because it it seemingly made it easier for Putin to justify doing what he did faster. Well, there's a lot of people that think if you want to go down the conspiracy rabbit hole, that Ukraine has some dirt on. Yeah. But why would Biden want to destroy Ukraine? How's that going to help him? I don't know. I don't don't know, except for the fact that it's been a part of the Biden family history, which I don't know. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe this is, Ukraine trying to get something that gets them free of well, Russia. I mean, what's the yeah, Zelensky overall? was pissed off at Biden. He was talking about how he thought that Biden was, you know, agitating things and making it harder for him. Well, Biden is <laughs> fairly incompetent, it seems, not on the top of his game, to say the very yeah. least. Yeah. And we know that the people that are surrounding Joe Biden are a lot of the ilk of the far left radical who wants the world to be destabilized. Build back better can that is already failed here as far as the bill form. Well, if the world keeps destabilizing, well, then maybe they'll get build back better. Okay. So let let me, let me go back to the Ukraine thing. So we, we covered two of the reasons, right? So why he's coming in there, maybe even three. Um, and then one other thing that he said in his, like, we're going to get rid of the Nazis. We're going to impose peacekeeping by destroying military equipment in Ukraine. And then the third or fourth, whatever count thing is, he said that given the aggression that Ukraine has displayed over the last eight years and more, you know, like more recently with uh, the attacks, Ukraine will not be allowed by Russia to have nuclear weapons. And that was something that Zelensky was being an idiot and talking about how, well, maybe Ukraine just needs to turn on its nuclear weapons manufacturing facilities if it wants to, uh, you know, not have Russia be talking down to it. Well, congratulations. You just threatened nuclear weapon use, and now you're not going to get them ever. Yeah, that's poking the bear. At the- <laughs> that's that's seriously poking the bear and and that's you're literally ukraine is right by the bear's foot yes like the bear is just sitting there (laughs) the bear's laying down and you're you you grab the stick uh, you know made by the u.s in the form of a rocket and you're literally poking him right in the foot so this is something putin has expressed that uh uh europe and russia or uh, russia europe and america would have an extremely hard time pushing back on this concept that we're not going to allow you because uh, Ukraine to have access to nuclear weapons, because wait a minute, isn't, isn't the U S doing the same thing with Iran? 
Exactly, yeah. Iran's not allowed to have nuclear weapons. Well, neither is Ukraine now. Except we think Iran's still building them, so, I mean, there's that. Well, you think you think Ukraine won't be? Of course. <laughs> Destabilization maybe is yeah. the reason for all of this. So, here's the, I don't, I don't know how long we're going, but here's the end result, the, the end play of this thing, is that the newly declared uh, countries that have been formed are going to stay formed probably long enough for a little bit of time to pass before they do a referendum in which the question will be posed of, do you want to stay an independent country or do you want to join Russia? And I suspect the answer to that referendum will be an overwhelming 87%. Got to be cool if I was right on this. 87% <laughs> in favor of joining Russia. Um, that's, I think, the most likely outcome of, of the situation. Russia will have permanent troops in Ukraine. Um, uh, Ukraine is, I think, in a lot of ways responsible for getting to this point, but, uh, Ukraine will be treated like a child moving forward by Russia. Not like a little brother, like they used to be treated but literally like a, a child that can't be left alone because it's going to stick a fork into an outlet and effectively inviting NATO and nuclear missiles in Ukraine, the way we have nuclear missiles in Poland right now is exactly that. It's like sticking a fork into an electrical outlet as far as Russia is concerned. Well, it's an escalation. There's no question. That's an escalation. Yeah. So, uh, whatever way you slice it, I, I mean, Putin will keep calling this a peacekeeping effort. But again, what we had peacekeepers in uh, Afghanistan for twenty years. Yes, yeah, so that and that's exactly the case. That we he had would make. peacekeepers. Yeah, exactly. And it's like he's not doing anything that the United States hasn't done somewhere in the world over the last hundred years themselves. Now, here's the question that's also being bantered around. If Donald Trump was still president, is this happening right now? No. I think you're absolutely right. I'll tell you why. Is because Trump is a negotiator. He's horrible at hiring people. We figured right. that out. And he's he's even worse at firing people. But he can't negotiate. He is a negotiator. So there so would there have been this provocation and push of NATO <clears throat> pushing into Ukraine? Absolutely not. Because after a conversation with Putin, Trump and whoever on our side and Putin and whoever on their side, Lavrov, whoever, would have absolutely come up with a strategy that says, okay, we're not going to say Ukraine is never going to be part of NATO. What we are going to say is that Ukraine will not be a part of NATO for the next 100 years. It's a compromise. Right. They're, they're not permanently barred from coming into nato <clears throat> and i'm obviously exaggerating i would never be 100 it might be 20 but you're but easing those tensions you're easing the tensions you're giving them things you don't do i do this literally every day i did this today i i negotiate it's 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 how i make money it's what i do i'm a negotiator so you know you got some hostages here you got some diamonds there you figure it out <laughs> you get together you figure out a solution right yeah there's always a solution i i've yet to come up against a situation that can't be solved one way or another as long as people are interested in something then i can leverage that interest in whatever that thing is the only people you can't negotiate with are fanatical religious people 
Yes. Like if you're doing this and you're planning to die doing it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't give them could, anything that's going. I guess to. we can accelerate that for you if you really <laughs> want, but that's about it, right? Uh, so, uh, just to wrap up the Ukraine thoughts, um, the the areas that are no longer Ukraine will stay no longer Ukraine. They may or may not become part of Russia. I think they will. That's where my my uh, hedging would be uh, is on that side of it. But it will be framed as the people in that area saying, yes, we, we want to be part. But it doesn't have to be framed. They are literally Russians living there who've always been Russians. That area is Russian. It wasn't in Russia for 30 years after Ukraine became an independent country. But it was Russia before that for a thousand years. Okay, minus the invasions by the Mongolians. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but like they've always been Russian people. Um, I remember, uh, going to, um, a Crimea to visit my relatives back when I was a kid, long time ago. And, uh, it was absolutely Russian. I mean, it's not to say that there weren't people that were ethnically from other parts of Ukraine that came there to sit on the beach. And, you know, it was a, it was kind of a, uh, uh vacation spot but definitely it was russian speaking and russian history most importantly and same thing with the 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 two new new countries that were created just recently as well that used to be part of eastern ukraine is they there's just a history it's it's kind of like again if you want to use the analogy it's like uh taking the upper peninsula of Michigan, which has been in the United States for, you know, however long Michigan has been a state. And then deciding that we're going to trade the upper peninsula to Canada as part of some grand deal that involves something. And now all the people living in the upper peninsula are Canadians instead of Americans. Can we sell California to somebody? Maybe. Oh God, I'd love to do that. I, I mean, I've, I've hoped that it would fall off the edge. You know, if the earth is flat, maybe California can drift away. I don't know. But, but uh, the point is taken that it gets to be very complicated as these areas change are, hands. Yeah. And, and there are areas between Pakistan and India that that happened to where when the British drew the maps, they put people who were religiously and ethnically Pakistanis on the side of the Indians. And there were other parts of the border where it was the other way around. And it's like, they don't care. They're Indian or they're, they're, uh, they're British, right? They're, they don't live there. They don't give a shit about the border, but uh, people don't like when you give them to another nation. And effectively, that's what happened here is this region was given to Ukraine when Ukraine was first created. In uh, 1917, 1918, I can't remember exactly uh, the year, but it was shortly after the Russian Revolution. It was the, an idea conceived by Lenin. And the reason he did it, uh, which has been you know, explained if you actually read Russian history, which most Americans don't even know what that is. Uh, the reason he did it is because the, the communists were barely holding on to power. And one of the solutions that Lenin came up with at the time was that what if we create these sort of regions within what was just the Russian Empire uh, and then have each of the region send representatives to the Duma, which is like the, the House or Senate uh, equivalent, 
And then sort of we're going to have regional representatives because the fear was that all these, the further away from Moscow you were, the more suspicious you were of the communists taking power. And so by involving them in the government, not really, but pretend, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we're going to be able to hold on to the full empire territory instead of having places break away. Uh, because now we're going to say, oh, yeah, well, you're, you're the, uh, you know, you're the Ukrainian representatives here from the southwestern part of Russia, the Ukraine region, and uh, you've got voting rights, blah, 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 blah. So it was a scheme to maintain power over the entirety of the Russian empire, which likely would not have happened if he didn't come up with this idea. If, because they, you know, the, the communist revolutionaries were kind of seen as very, uh, Moscow driven. It's kind of like we look at DC. We got to drain the swamp. We don't trust the people there. That's the way a lot of the countries, uh, a lot of the regions in Russia looked at, uh, at the brand new communists that, that grabbed power after the revolution. Right. So it's probably 1918, probably. And you say Americans don't read Russian history. They don't read American history. They don't. Yeah, that's true too. That's, that's very, very that's kind of the problem. And, uh, what you're seeing here is yet another reaction to the folks in the United States putting a very weak leader in charge. And when you have a weak leader in yeah. charge of the nation's or the world's police, which is the job right. the United States has seen. Team to have, America. Right. That is the job the United States has been thrust into for decades yeah. with Joe Biden at the helm. People are just going to run and do whatever they want, just like all the cities in America are going crazy with crime because people know yep. they're not going to be prosecuted. Same thing. Yeah. World well, leaders. There, there's a certain irony in the fact that uh, that the world is looking at Putin as coming in and invading Ukraine unopposed. And meanwhile, Biden is preparing to fight truckers in D.C. that are literally the citizens of the country and is scared shitless trying to come up with ways to handle that by calling in the uh, National uh, Guard, the National Guard, which yeah, they which, wouldn't do for January 6th. Oh, my God. I mean, they well, they wouldn't do for January 6th, but the idea of using military troops on your own population versus using military troops on another country's population who is doing something that you don't like them doing. It's a, such a huge contrast and, and doing this for Biden after leaving Afghanistan. And by the way, I, I thought, frankly, Trump should have left Afghanistan and he, he did have dates on the calendar had he won for the withdrawal as well. But my, yes. my God, I would hope he would bring or at least destroy yes. the majority of what Biden ended up leaving. They, in the last accounts I saw were literally in the billions of dollars worth of technology that was left. Yes. And that's exactly what Trump said when he went out with O'Reilly on their history tour was the first thing. And he said, I think it was uh, Millie was the general that told him, ah, it's just cheaper to leave everything there. And he's like, you're an idiot. Yeah. He's an idiot. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's, uh, that's not why would you ever take, um, political advice from a military person? 
Well, why you take, would you? you take, this, in this case, you it was kind military of military advice. advice but it's no, like, saying it's cheaper. The word cheaper <laughs> does not belong in the vocabulary of the military. I'm sorry. That, no. that word should not exist for the military. Trump said and he wanted to. every last nut and bolt taken yep. out of Afghanistan, which should have been done. Absolutely. And back in the olden days, like back when Kennedy was president, we would have just put all of that stuff in one place and, and blew up a nuke on top of it. Yeah. Made it all unusable. Okay, guys, we're leaving. Uh, by the way, you can't use anything in this hundred mile square. Yeah, I would walk out of this zone now and uh, mm-hmm. and not even yeah. look back. Yeah, I mean that's that's old school American way of ensuring that we're uh, we're the world police. Yeah, and right now, I mean, it was obvious that the only thing Biden's going to do it's it's like we took our false teeth out and now we're using our gums <laughs> to threaten Russia. Right. You well, know, it's it. like oh, we're going to sanction your cousin. And I know a lot of people don't like this type of politics when it's mano a mano Trump and Putin outside of Congress, outside mm-hmm. of anything else. Trump has said, and again, I understand Trump has the ability to lie and tell stories like anybody else. But according to the him, best, the best stories of anybody else, you mean? Perhaps. Yes. Yes. And he said he had a deal. With Putin, that was basically, you don't embarrass my country, I won't mm-hmm. embarrass your country. Yep, yep. And that was enough. And the minute Biden got in, Putin's like, ooh, hey, uh, it's like having the substitute teacher who's. Well, it's com- not even the minute that Biden got up. How much anti-Russia sentiment was the Democrat Party building, regardless of who gets in? Well, yeah, because it was all or anti-Russia, and yes. they were trying to tie it to Trump, which was the greatest part of that mm-hmm. whole thing. Which, you know, that kind of tells you this was set up. This was supposed to happen. If Hillary, you kind of wonder now, if Hillary won, yeah, this might have happened five years ago. Oh, you mean originally if Hillary won? Yes. It, it may have. But the other thing is, I think Hillary is a better negotiator than Biden. So not well, of course. like Trump level by any means. And she will kill you, allegedly. And she will also kill you. That's <laughs> the other part <laughs> is you don't meet with her alone because you will not walk out of that room. She's I'm a big a, fan. A if you're listening, Hillary, big fan, big yeah. fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the other Hillary. Right. Of course. Yeah. Hillary swag. She's horrible. <laughs> Hillary yeah, Clinton's she, a lovely lady. Wouldn't hurt a fly. Yeah. The 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 future president of America. She's so, going to try. She will try. I think she will try. Uh, so I don't know. Is there anything else? I mean, does that make sense? So I think. I think Russia will just simply have peacekeepers in Ukraine the same way that America had peacekeepers in Afghanistan for 20 years. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And there, there's uh, also the possibility that, you know, this is a quick thing and then Russia withdraws. But I don't see any external forces that are going to be strong enough to make them do that. And well, I think and you're right that I, this is a game of let's push and see how far we can go and what happens. Yeah. Well, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not it really like with the limit. Like, I don't think there's any, and I, I hope I'm not shown wrong a year from now, but I don't think there's any interest from Russia or Putin to go into Poland or into, you know, Hungary or any country which was part of the Eastern Bloc, which used to be a country. And not simply just a part of Russia, because right. what what he's done to date in in Georgia, in uh, you know what what was the Ukraine here, is he's taken 
back what was part of Russia, the country. Right. Which is the, when I, that's why when I hear the Hitler comparisons, it's like there's, there are differences and that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not based on ethnicity here. Uh, It's based on the population because when you take that, that segment of what was Eastern Ukraine and you do run a poll or a uh, referendum there, it is absolutely 100% predictable that the results of that referendum will be pro-Russia. Like, there's no tinkering needed. It's not like coming and conquering Poland for uh, Hitler with no opposition, because if you took a referendum in Poland, it would be 100%, well, maybe not 100 but certainly majority percent, Hitler leave. Like, Poland didn't have an interest in uh in having germany come in and take over right uh these parts of ukraine absolutely do and had ukraine had um they not gotten cocky had they kept the uh peace treaty and not been attacking eastern ukraine this may or may not have happened, but it sure as hell wouldn't have happened right now. We might be in another month with no troops being moved in by Russia. But the fact that they got cocky and they increased their attacks on is, is the, that the most region. non-reported, most um, misunderstood thing about all of this? I think it's been somewhat reported, but never really punctuated. Like, uh, you know, there's fighting once again. Every time you hear the phrase, there's fighting in uh, Luhansk or uh, uh, Donbass, Syria, uh, you know, what that actually means is they're being attacked by Ukraine because they don't fight each other. Right, <laughs> right. So when they use the word fighting, what it actually means is the country Ukraine is attacking them. And that's been reported in the news fairly regularly for eight years now. But more recently, in the last month, there's been a big step up because uh, I don't know why. I mean, like, to me, it's the most counterintuitive thing to do. If I was working for Ukraine, I should have called, and I was trying to negotiate, <laughs> I would absolutely not. I, I, what you want to do is you want to do what the Canadian truckers did. You want to be super peaceful you want to have bouncy castles on the border super peaceful but super annoying you want to demon yeah you want to honk horns but you (laughs) want to not do anything that includes any kind of physical violence and it'd be much harder if you did that to be able to justify any kind of peacekeeping efforts because like well what is there to keep peace from we're at peace with the fact that these two areas have decided to pull out we get that they're mostly ethnic Russians. They don't want to be a part of uh, the new Ukraine created by the CIA. That's fine. Um, they could have done this. Like uh, Zelensky could have gone that path. But I think there's a lot of war hawks in Ukraine. There's tons of war hawks in the U.S. They're all feeding money and supplies to Ukraine. Shit, dude. We had the uh, Florida National Guard in Ukraine up until two weeks ago. What? How do we have National Guard troops rather than permanent military be stationed in a country literally on the opposite side of the world? Seems wrong. 
But it also seems wrong that there's that connection with Biden and Ukraine. Now, is he helping them try to get out of Russia? So they were like, they're going to pull us in to a war. I mean, there's a lot of I think Ukraine got scammed here. I think they paid the Biden family a lot of money for protection. Yeah. And they got no protection. That's what happened. And And they were acting like like they had protection, right? You'd agree with that. Yes. Yeah. Like, you can't hurt me. I got this other mafia dude that I'm under his protection. Oh, really? Are you? Yes. Surprise. You're not. Yes. We're going to, we're going to sanction the hell out of you by making your kids not be able to travel to the U S I mean, that's literally, I, now I didn't look at the sanctions. So, uh, you know, transparency here, but. I did watch a few uh, videos of people that had said they'd gone through the sanctions, the actual documents, and they said that about 40% of the sanctions were the children and families uh, of the people, the politicians, and presumably the rich people in Russia that supported this action. So you're literally telling somebody whose kid is going to Harvard that... We're going to, our, our slap on the wrist for you voting for something that we dislike is we're going to kick your kid out of school and, and send him back home. Sounds that sounds right. extremely politically correct and not at all what used to be the American way. How, do you, how are you polishing the children that have nothing to do with the actions of their parents or grandparents? Most likely it's, it's probably the grandparents, not the parents that are, you know, voting for this stuff. How are you, how is punishing the children themselves uh, by, you know, canceling their visas? What, what the hell kind of effort is that in, uh, in trying to convince the, the other country to stop doing what you don't like them doing? Well, again, that's the scam because from everything that I've heard so far, the sanctions are so weak and they're saying, well, you know, they can continue to step it up. But mm-hmm. why? Why? Again, this is kind of like the not prosecuting people for crimes. This, well, right. no, we're just going to give you a slap on the wrist. And then, no, the, the 10th time you come in, yeah. then, then we'll finally be serious. I mean, you know, parents, a yeah. lot of them that are like that, too. If they have you, don't make me come up there, Jimmy. Turn the stereo down. And they yell like 14 times before they go up. Right. Right. It's a waste of time. You just, yes. You, you yell once, then you go grab a belt. If Biden would have come out straight on. And let me know what your thought on this is, because O'Reilly, who was covering this fairly well, I think, mm-hmm. all along said the way to deal with Putin is to go to Visa, MasterCard, the big banks and say, if this happens, then those credit card companies no longer take money in Russia. It's it's shut off. And that would cripple Russia. Is is that a viable thing? Because I guess, you know, Biden has well, that control. Been talked about. It's really not the, the credit cards. It's getting him off the SWIFT system uh, for bank money exchange. And they did get rid of some very tiny little banks. Not the big banks, though. Not the central bank or anything else. Which, again, Russia. it's the slap on the wrist, not it a is, serious Yeah, it, it is. But whipping. again, so here's the risk doing that. Do you really want to force Russia to switch from using U.S. dollar as the reserve for petroleum to using the Chinese for reserve petroleum, which China has been pushing for a while because and, and which may be gonna, what Russia wants. It may it's be not going to take well, Russia really dislikes China. I mean, they're, they're a partner of convenience only. Um, you know, there there's, 
plenty of issues. And for the majority of the Cold War, most of Russian nuclear weapons were actually pointed at China, not the U.S. Well, that's, uh, a, that's US a vast dislike. Act- I did not know that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's complete lack of trust. They the Russians generally felt that the Chinese were going to backstab them at the first opportunity at every count. That they're not real communists back in the communist, you know, Soviet era. <laughs> You're not commie they're, enough. They're pretend communists, which is true. They're like, what kind of communists have these large corporations and make products for the whole world? What the hell? Yes, and, pennies and on the dollar, too. And they have slaves, which you're not really supposed to do if you're a socialist country. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of issues there. They will be friendly with them from a convenience. Uh, both India and China abstained from condemning this Russian action, incidentally, if people hadn't seen. Interesting. Uh, all the little countries and obviously all of Europe and U.S. were full-on condemnations. But uh, the two biggest population countries in the world did not. And they both had meetings with Putin prior to this happening. Um, there are parts of, uh, you know, the Pakistan and uh, I think in Bhutan that India would like to take over. And there's certainly plenty of you know, areas, including the biggest one, which is Taiwan, that China wants to take over. So is this all pointing back to the Great Reset? Because we know there's stuff the United States wants to do, too. There is. Stuff. Well, this is I think this is a great anti-reset because uh, globalism is the West. Anti-globalism is the East. That's that's India, China and Russia. Interesting. Is anti-globalism. Uh, they both deal in the financial system. So in some ways they're frenemies, right? They're both making money and they're both like right now with the price of oil going up, Russia's making money. U S is, it could be making money if we weren't idiots by shutting down pipelines. Right. Uh, the middle East, who's our awesome, great ally is, uh, making buku money right now. The, I mean, I'm saying this facetiously, but basically Saudi Arabia is kissing Putin's ass for this awesome favor he did (laughs) of raising their GDP by 15 to 20 percent this year. I mean, you think about that. It's whatever their trillions of dollars of oil their GDP is. He just bumped it by 15 to 20 percent for them. Nice multiple. The hell of a deal. Uh, And I do have a photo of Putin sitting next to the. Prince, uh, the what is it, PMB or whatever, the initial guy, the, the from Saudi Arabia. They have so they, a bunch of those talking. Biden stickers that say "I did this," and they're they're pointing <laughs> to the things you know. So, uh, so for the grown-ups in politics, the people that do play chess and not checkers, they've all communicated. Yeah, they've all talked. They've all discussed this. They all know what's going on. There are zero surprises. Who is surprised right now? Media across most of the world, not just the U.S. This is a shocker to them that somebody would actually do what they said they were going to do. And uh, the U.S. government, for whom this is a shocker, because while they kept saying there's going to be an invasion, there's going to be an invasion, there's going to be an invasion, they had no, they, they thought it was going to be like a Hitler-style invasion, right? They, they, they hadn't thought through that this cannot be called an invasion. Unless every U.S. action for the last 50 years is also called an invasion. 
that would be problematic. Did, did the people of Iraq invite the United States to help them? No. Did they vote in a referendum to bring the U.S. in? Not at all. Did the people of Afghanistan do this? No. Did uh, and include? <laughs> I mean, you look at any conflict, including the ones where Clinton was bombing Europe, the first president ever to bomb Europe, incidentally, and then of course followed up by Bush and Obama. Um, but when he was doing that, there was no referendum. There was no asking the people. It was like, hey, we're the we're the big players here. We get to decide what's what's good and what's bad. Uh, when NATO peacekeepers, peacekeepers, I said, when NATO peacekeepers went into Libya, what the fuck does that have to do with NATO? It's a different continent. They're not there. Libya wasn't attacking any country that was part of NATO. So what were they doing there? Well, what they were doing there is in a post Soviet Union time frame. NATO should not exist. And no matter how you slice it, and I know they've taken out all references to uh, USSR, now NATO is this, you know, if you look at the definition on Wikipedia, it's this nebulous group of countries aligned to protect each other, but no one says from what. Right, right. NATO was 100% absolutely created as an offensive group against the expansion of the Soviet Union. NATO was not like a, yeah, if someday Japan attacks us again, uh, or China or whoever, you know, we'll call on Europe. No. Why is NATO located in Europe? North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Why? Because the threat, and it was a totally legitimate threat. I'm not saying NATO shouldn't have been created. I absolutely think NATO should have been created and it had a legitimate goal, which was to stop the communist spread in Europe. And it did that. It was successful. It was good. It created a, uh, a threat and a buffer zone. And of course, as a result, Russia created the Warsaw Pact, which was the, the Soviet version of the, the communist NATO, uh, which included the countries, you know, uh, like, uh, um, Poland and stuff. The and world's the a complicated Hungary, place, Poland. Gene. And it always is changing. But my, my point is like that worked having NATO and having the, uh, having what Ronald Reagan did, which is scare the shit out of Russia to the point where they bankrupted themselves. Uh, Soviet Union. See, I said Russia. Right. I, even I'm not perfect at remembering at that time, Soviet Union. But you know, what Reagan did was convince the Soviet Union that the technological advantages of America and the West were so great that if they don't keep up, the nuclear deterrent will no longer be a deterrent. In Russia's eyes, the U.S. being the only country that ever used an atomic bomb was always perceived as a first strike country. The U.S. will always use nuclear weapons first. India won't. Russia won't. China won't. None of the other countries would use them first. Only in retaliation. The U.S. will always use theirs first because they've done it in the past. And that is an American attitude. And with that belief, and you can say, well, that's the wrong belief. Well, it, it, yeah, sure. In America, people didn't want to be, you know, first strike capable. But they sure projected the image of American strength and ability that way. And so when you talk to these old retired Russian 
politicians and generals, most of them are dead now, but like 20 years ago, there were interviews being done with them by Americans with interpreters. When you talk to them, all of them across the board talked about how Russia was always feeling like it was behind the ball and that they were going to be attacked by nuclear weapons at any minute. The fear of annihilation will get you going. It'll it's, it sure as hell. And it'll get you to bankrupt the country and then have the country fall apart eventually. So anyway, was that a sufficient enough dive into Ukraine for you? I think so. And I think that's why people come to the unrelenting podcast is for that kind yes. of detail. And we appreciate all five of you breakdown all five. I think there's more than five. I mean, we have two people that came in. With donations well, for today's show. I mean, show. if Adam mentioned the show, then we ought to have a couple more at least show up, I right. think. Well, he's at least listening. And I noticed you didn't put the uh, URL of the show in into your donation. Are you literally complaining about the fact that I just spent money? No, I am going to complain about the fact that we're not listed right now under the podcast index. And that hasn't gotten Well, that's yet. not me. That's not my fault. No, I know. Talk to the people that run that thing and i have messaged dave jones multiple times i want to know what's going on well he hates you probably is my guess <laughs> i thought adam hates me dave hates me too now oh well, what'd you do you keep doing things to make people hate you are you doing too much art or something csb likes me he won today for the art csb did but he likes me he keeps oh, okay. telling me you're an evil russian that you're a sympathizer and all of that but it didn't, yes. it didn't i didn't really get that from your analysis here today no no, but, because I, I am a hater of communism and a lover of freedom. And unfortunately, the country I'm currently living in is going. veering to the side of communism. Yeah. And the country that I left is veering to the side of freedom. So I don't know, man. Do you have a big lot on uh, the, the bank somewhere in Ukraine that you're trying to uh, protect, Gene? Is that it? Dude, yeah. if I had pictures of my old ancestral house with the... Uh, with the grapes growing on the second and third story. Oh my God. It was awesome. Sounds nice. It was nice, but we do work nice. on the value for value model here on the unrelenting podcast. And we have two people to thank for today, including sir, Sean of the Allegheny Valley, who is always stepping up and he comes in with 25 bucks. That's a monthly donation. No, 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 nothing. Nice. And we appreciate that. And Johnny Bravo. Coming in with, excuse me, I'm losing my voice here. I hardly talked today. I don't know why I'm losing my voice. I know. $6.66 because it's a split between this, Random Thoughts, and Planet Rage. All great ah, shows. Okay. Yes. All great shows. And with the microphone you got today, I might be even able to listen to one of them. I need to bring more bass, I guess. I'm going to keep, I'm going to do the breakdown of the well, did RE20. you mention you changed the mic? Or did you only tell me that? I think I only told you that on this show, I have been using the sure SM seven B, the Joe Rogan mic. Mm -hmm. And it didn't really sound that different in my head in the headphones, but you mentioned straight off that the bass was a lot less. So I boosted it a little bit then to make you feel better. Boost boost. You can boost. Yes, we are on. Well, I don't know if we are, because if we're not on podcast index, can people boost? we're, We're, we're clearly, uh, at this point, We've been shadow banned. Yes. Podcasting 2.0. And you were shadow banned from the troll room, too. So this is getting. Well, I was genuinely banned from the troll room. But uh, now, apparently, (laughs) any show I I come on gets shadow banned off the network, off of of every network. Are we on Apple? Have you checked that? Or or have we not been on Apple for a long time now because they banned us? It's anti-Russian forces. No, Apple has no problem with us. Oh, okay. Apple's okay. It's only podcast index 2.0. Well, we don't fucking swear at all. So we should be good to go. (laughs) We don't. Right. 
They don't care about swearing there. And I'm sure they do. you have to check mark a box. And if you don't, then they'll kick you. And I only noticed because uh, Sir Bemrose over at the uh, No Agenda Stream mentioned that the unrelenting RSS feed had disappeared. And well, like, he had to know why then. Yeah, he doesn't have anything to do with Podcast Index uh-huh, 2.0. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But that's how he grabs them for the stream. Yeah. But I don't really understand. Somebody then was had a fake Grumpy Old Ben's RSS feed up there, which had all the Ben wow, Rose episodes. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they took they, they totally they totally wiped any mention so of you out. You're saying Ukrainian hackers, right? But I think uh, they were or, out of or, Canada or something, or, or some, maybe Polish hackers living in Ireland. Maybe, possibly, you never know. Uh huh. Working on AI hacking. It could and, be anybody uh, decided to uh, to hack us hackers. No, it was uh, it was somebody out of well, it was a Canadian URL, which I thought was weird. But you well, know, that doesn't mean anything. Anybody no, can be anything. Anybody can get a CA. But uh, we'll get it figured out. And mm. I think it was something to do with the fact that we had forwarded the grumpy old Ben's RSS feed to Without unrelenting deleting, uh, folder like you should. Yeah. Well, it's not that it's just a folder. The RSS feed itself. What the standard process is. The concept here, though, would be for people that were on the old one, it's mm. forwarding to the new one, which is at right. our new domain. Right. Which is unrelenting dot show. Yeah. And what podcasting 2.0 the podcast index, I keep saying podcast and YouTube, podcast index, for whatever reason, got rid of the new one and just kept the forwarding, even though it was mm-hmm. going to the same place. So when the forwarding was then shut down, because it's like, well, everybody should be on the new one. Well, then mm-hmm. it, it disappeared. And I tried to add it again. And it's like, well, it's already in there. It's like, yeah, but it's not showing. Yeah, it's it, it's in there, but <laughs> it's, clearly it's, there. it's been demonetized and shadow band we need help to fight these forces go to unrelenting.show slash donate click the donate button use one of the qr codes or wallet addresses use the snail mail po box address or if you're on a podcasting 2.0 app right now boost baby boost and if you have no idea what a podcasting 2.0 app is it's okay go to newpodcastapps.com. it'll get you hooked up you'll feel better your teeth will be whiter you'll have more friends you'll totally understand this ukraine situation yeah, and you'll be able to be on an app that doesn't display this show. That doesn't display the show? Right. No, the apps still do, as long as people know where the RSS feed is. O- only if the apps are also talking to Apple. I mean, we're still in, and I know this, if, if, if the Podfather's listening, he'll be swearing at this. I'm, I'm sure he we're, doesn't listen to this. I'm so. sure we're this still on. tiny, dinky show nobody listens to. The Apple, to. Well, he was talking about what you were saying about cash in the RSS, you know, the chip in the, uh, in the uh, cash. Not the RFID, not RSS. But if so, it's like we are still listed on Apple and on uh, all the other listings, Google. But uh, yeah, we were dropped off. We were dropped off podcast index. We need to be reinstated. And I'm sure Dave will figure that one out. I think he was on vacation or something because he didn't post on social media for like a week and a half. So I'm guessing he was on vacation Mm. and that's allowed. Dave needs a break every now and then. Yeah. You, I don't know. Well, I, I, you know, I work through COVID. I don't really do breaks. Well, you should. You, you Okay. You don't take vacations. Come on. No. Ever. When's the last vacation you had? Just for pure pleasure. <sighs> What's the. <sighs> I'm trying to remember. Uh, it's been that long. Um, I mean, maybe 87. Really? You have 1987. Yeah. That is the last vacation you've been on. 
that I can think of. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have been traveling and some, some years a lot this year, not nearly as much, but you know, there've been years where I've traveled an awful lot over a hundred thousand miles easily, but, um, but they're usually work related or work sales related trips. Um, so well, folks, uh, like, like donate. when I was writing my book, let's my get Gene over to Ukraine. Yes. <laughs> he can, if you can donate a first class ticket for me to fly to Ukraine, I'll totally do it. Wow. Boots on the ground, baby. I'll do it. I'm telling you right now, get those donations going because they're, that ain't cheap, but, uh, I'll happily do it. Cause I, I probably have relatives there. You probably, you don't know if you have relatives there. I, we don't really speak to each other on that side of the border. <laughs> Wow. Sounds like uh sounds like that might be a one way ticket then. We 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 want you to come back. <laughs> they were like, we can't send Gene to I'll, Ukraine. I'll definitely broadcast for I will, what I will do for anybody that's on No Agenda Social is I will actually post an episode of another traveler going through Donbass and uh the uh the regions of what was eastern Ukraine and now independent countries uh to be able to take a look at exactly the type of damage as well as the type of people that live there. Um, I think he was there about nine months ago and did a pretty good video about it. Well, I want to hear on this show, I'm Sir Gene broadcasting live from, and then, then just like, well, I can exploding. say that without being somewhere for God's sake. You just tell me what you want me to say. We could, yeah, we'll, we'll get, we'll get sound yeah. effects. It'll be explosions. It'll be great gunfire. It'll it'll really increase. I'll the, tell you uh, when this when this show has the type of listenership and support that allows us to go on vacation. I'm going to reevaluate the effort that I put into it. It's going to be like 2057, Gene. You can take your next vacation. I'd be okay with that. 